Let's take this podcast intro back to when the only world-ending infection anyone was worried about was the Y2K bug, 1999. Okay, how do you plan that? Uh, like this. Hey, listeners. What's up? <laughs> this is Clint. And I'm Chad. And this is Schoolja. The podcast made by teachers for teachers. Brought to you by two middle-aged dads and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about the American education system. We hope our podcast gets your mind off this crazy COVID-19 stuff. (coughs) Seriously, we often like to joke in our intro, but events around the world have been pretty crazy for the past few days, and... We truly hope that your time with us today can be a nice distraction from it all. And we do want to talk about the coronavirus and how it's affecting us and our world and education, and we'll plan to talk about that later in the show. But before that, I have a fun new segment for you, Clint. Yay! I love new things. Awesome. Well, so I'm going to steal this from my current favorite podcast, other than this one, of course. It's called Modern Makers. It's a woodworking podcast, nerd. And uh, one segment they sometimes have they call Hypothetical. And we're going to try something similar. Ooh, I've done this before. It's where you name three celebrities and you have to decide which one you would kill and then marry. Whoa, whoa, and then... whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, buddy, this is a family show uh, and we're not playing that game. Dang it. At least not today. It's simply me setting a hypothetical situation. It's, it's, it's a little bit like would you rather, I guess, but maybe not the uh, would you rather part. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a page. <laughs> it's just like would you rather, except for nothing at all like it. <laughs> Well, those are always hypotheticals, you know, like, would you rather do this or this? That's a hypothetical. Okay, okay, but it's the way you phrased it was, it's like, would you rather, except for the would you rather part. It's like, I'll have a hamburger with cheese without the hamburger and the cheese. Exactly. So I want to take a page from the uh, 1980s Monday Night Football telecast and call it. IBM presents You Make the Call. That sounds uh, lame. Yeah, and it might be, but let's give it a try. Okay, hit me. So here's here's our scenario. You're going to have a formal observation that is going to decide your fate as a teacher. Okay. And you have two options in how this is going to be carried out. The first option is you'll be teaching a class with below average engagement, a few behavior issues, nothing major, but you know, definitely a challenging group. And you and your students have zero materials. And I'm talking no books. No boards, no document cameras, no pencil, paper, nothing. Just you, them, and a room with desk or chairs. Or you have all the resources you possibly need. You have two days to prepare for the perfect lesson. But here's the catch. You will not be teaching the class, but instead you'll be preparing someone else to teach it. The person, let's say, is of uh, average intelligence. They're not necessarily super clever or dynamic, but they're definitely not incompetent. And one more piece to this I want to throw out. The observation will be strictly based on the results of how the lesson went. The observer will not take into consideration, like, the challenges that you face. They're not going to say, like, oh, boy, that was good, even though you didn't have, you know, a chalkboard or whatever. It's just it, it is what it is. What would you take, buddy? So this is a decision between relying on my skills as a curriculum developer versus my skills as an entertainer, right? I think so. And I mean, wouldn't you say, too, that along with curriculum developer, like you're going to have to teach this person how to how to. I have I mean, all the resources I want. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. And I did forget a th- I did forget to throw out one other piece that the the group that the second person is teaching is not going to be as challenging. Well, I definitely choose the second one, and here's why. What I would do is I would create some kind of like a a web quest or some kind of thing where the kids are mostly working uh, independently. Uh, I would record lots of little videos of myself giving any instructions that needed to be given. Uh, I would make sure that I had access to uh, the students' computers. So that way I could, uh, so like a, like a Google Classroom type situation, so I could monitor what they were working on. And uh, I would just have the instructor, uh, this schmo that we have brought in from the street, his whole job is just going to make sure that the students continue to work. And all of the other instruction will have been set up ahead of time, and it will be amazing. Bada bing, bada boom, taken number two. You kind of cheated. I didn't cheat. I mean, I know I had all the resources available and part of the resources available are the interwebs except for, okay. Yeah, (laughs) no, you, you, you beat, you beat my system. Yes. Well, yeah. And I guess the way I'm talking about is like, it's, it's up to you to coach the teacher. Like you don't have the access to be able to, I mean, basically in your scenario, you're still being the teacher and you have a sub covering for you. So what you want me to do is, am I a good, uh, not just a curriculum director, but am I also a good teacher instructor? Would you be willing to rely on somebody else to perform your task that was going to be representing you if it wasn't you? I can't really think of uh, a situation where that's what you're doing, but probably if I had to do that, then it would be a lot of like team building exercises. And then I would use that to talk about whatever piece of literature it is that we have been reading recently. Oh, very good. So, so people would probably like have to do the human knot or being able to rely on each other by doing the thing where everybody sits down at once in each other's laps in a circle and you do that. And, uh, some of those kinds of activities so that they, they have to figure things out. And then we use that to talk about something else that, I mean, that's really the only way I could come up with to, to do anything with that. Cause any kind of lecture that I could give for a whole class period would be boring and it would be really difficult to keep people engaged. Like you'd have to come up with small group activities that everybody can participate in without any materials, uh, which would be a real challenge. Um, but I probably would do that. I don't know that I would trust my job uh, on the abilities of some other person that I've never met. So you would take one? Yeah, I guess so. I I kind of agree with you. I think I actually, what you just described, I think sounded fantastic. And I think maybe with a English class, you could have a little bit more of that. Um, the, the thing that scares me the most is I just know how difficult being a good teacher is. And there's so many like intangible things or things that require 15 years of experience to like really be able to handle. I mean, there's so many things that you can't prepare somebody for. And so it would just, as much as I feel like I could give somebody a lot of direction and if I had two days to prepare them, I mean, I know the lesson would be dialed in, but all those other things that just are unpredictable, I, I would be, again, if my job was riding on it, I would at least rather take my own job in my hands. And if I'm going to go down, I'd rather be at me going down than the other person. Yeah, I agree. I would be a little concerned. That's why I tried to take the other teacher completely out of the equation uh, with my cheater move. No, in, in fairness, you, I mean, your first answer is appropriate. I did not, I didn't know how far I had to go with like rules. <laughs> Pretty far, man. Yeah. Rules are for yeah. fools. It, you uh, you figured out the loophole. So, I mean, 
if you do that, then good for you. Well, I got some other ones coming up in, in, in uh, upcoming shows, so we, I got some doozies for you. Yeah, that was cool. I, I had not heard that before because I don't listen to woodworking podcasts because woodworking is hard, and I like all my fingers. <laughs> now that we've done that, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, this is Chad, co-host of the podcast. You know, most of the time students are pretty great. They usually work hard and are fun to be around, but every once in a while their language does get a little out of hand. I mean, I know they say kids say the darndest things, but holy some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths is downright obscene. Now, most of the time, a quick reminder about language is all it takes to fix the swearing. But every once in a while, you get a student who can't seem to speak without a f***ing swear word mixed into every sentence. This used to be a huge problem until those clever sons of bitches at Swearspace came up with the ideal answer for my potty mouth pupils. The Swearspace is a soundproof vestibule that fits right inside my classroom. It allows the lewd lad or lady to stay in the room and receive instruction without scorching the ears of the innocent. Swearspace is easy to install, and I went with their standard package, which comes with breathing holes and a one-way hatch to allow for passage of school supplies or food and drink on those long block days. And for just a few bucks more, you can upgrade to the Squarespace Gold, which comes with instant fogging glass for those students who can be both an audio and visual distraction to the class. So if you want to bring peace and quiet back to your classroom like I did, get off your and order today. You'll be fucking thrilled you did. Now back to the show. Have you ever been frustrated with your students and really just want to tell them off, but you can't because you would be immediately fired due to your salty language? Well, your dreams are about to come true with new obscenity-blocking software from Swearspace. Just step into your Swearspace booth and let her rip. Everything you say is immediately muted out so the kids can't hear your frustration and anger, allowing you to return to teaching having vented and ready to move on. Unruly students can be given timeout time in the Swearspace booth as well. They can rant and rave about everything they want and not distract the learning of the other students. First-time orderers will be entered into a drawing to receive prototype Squarespace headsets that make our muting technique portable and instantaneous, even during lessons. There is no reason to wait. Order yours today. Squarespace. Technology you'll swear by. And we're back. As we promised earlier in the show, we definitely want to spend some time discussing how the coronavirus or COVID-19 is affecting our schools and local communities. So let's let's go ahead and start here. Chad, what's going on in Oregon right now? And this, by the way, is uh, Friday the 13th of March, appropriately, as we're recording. So uh, what's what's the what's the haps? I feel like by the time uh, uh, this podcast airs on Monday the 16th, um, it, it who knows where things are going to be, because I feel like the last 24 hours has changed very rapidly. You know, when I when I woke up yesterday morning, there really wasn't much going on. And then by the time I went to bed last night in the state of Oregon, our governor declared that we would not have school starting Monday the 16th through April 1st. Obviously, all sports and, and activities and all those kind of things have also been canceled until that time. The state of Washington, just north of us, just announced a, a statewide six-week school closure till April 24th. So, you know, that's kind of, I guess, the 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 current state of where we're at. Yeah, Virginia just closed for two weeks, and we spent our day getting grades done and then working on online distance education. We're kind of fortunate. The two weeks that we're taking off, one of those weeks is spring break anyway. Um, now, obviously, we don't know if this is going to continue, if we're going to get to April 1st, and there's going to be a decision to 
extend this closure. But as of right now, we're really only missing, it's going to be about seven days of school. How much do you think missing seven days of school can is going to impact? And again, we're talking about high school kids here as we're both high school teachers, uh, really the, the education of, of our students. So it's like a, a week and a half worth of instruction time. And depending on what it is that you're teaching and how you teach, that could be a unit or just a small section of a unit that you are uh, instructing on. But I think it's one of those things where if you are working on depth rather than breadth of your curriculum. So in other words, like you can you can cover a lot of things about an inch deep or you can cover a few things really deep. That is what throws off uh, how much a seven-day break would affect student learning. I think if you're doing the fairly shallow but a lot of stuff version, which I think a lot of like science and math and history sometimes has to do because they have a set curriculum that they're supposed to get through, that can be pretty detrimental, especially with standardized tests and things that where you have certain uh, materials that you need to get through. For like English, we're generally looking at a lot more depth in our curriculum. And so it's it's not as big of a deal because you're kind of just reinforcing the same skills over and over and over again. And so from my perspective as an English teacher, I don't know that it really hurts kids that much to, to lose that time because it's not like they forget how to read in between the beginning and the end of that break, but they might forget how to do the quadratic equation. And so who knows? Like it's it's such a complicated issue. Assuming we are able to to come back after two weeks, it's no longer than our Christmas break. It's it's certainly no longer than our summer breaks. I, I definitely, as a math teacher, see some drop off when we get back after our winter breaks and, and those extended periods of time. Sometimes I think it's just kids getting out of the habit of school more than like the loss of actual skills. I'm curious because I foresee this probably affecting everyone in the country, I would assume. But uh, I, I would be curious to see as this year progresses and, and ends and hopefully we all get back to school if standardized tests change much. It might end up being a good argument against uh, standardized testing if we find that, uh, you know, after being gone for three or four weeks, it really didn't make a difference. What worries me is that I don't know that two weeks is going to be long enough. Like Washington, you said, is out for six weeks. There you're going to see some impacts because that's half a summer vacation. And we know that kids lose a lot over summer vacation. Like that's the big challenge, not knowing where it's coming. And so I think that's why so many schools are, okay, let's come up with some way of supplementing these kiddos so that they don't come back and just get slammed. In Virginia, at this point, they will all still have to take their standardized tests at the end of the year, and they'll be exactly the same tests, even though we've had this major emergency. And so I don't know, like those are things that kids need for graduation here. And I don't know if that's going to mean that if they're just going to be SOL about it or if uh, if the state is going to come up with an idea of, you know what, we had an emergency. This affected everyone in the state. Let's come up with something. I also wonder about the college board with AP testing and SAT testing. How are they going to deal with that? Because they can't bring kids together in a in a tight little classroom to put those things together. So I, I just don't know what their plan is going to be. It's very confusing. I suppose that there are some organizations out there that have a contingency plan for these types of things, but I doubt it. You know, I just saw today that the NCAA is going to essentially forgive any seniors whose season have been canceled for spring sports and basically give them another year of eligibility. And I doubt that was somewhere written in the bylaws. It was probably something that someone had to get together and, and meet about and make a decision on. And so that's there's going to be a lot of that taking place. I mean, you know, you wonder if in Virginia they, they take a look at your SOLs and they say, we're going to lower the cut score or we're just going to not. I mean, especially if it does extend, especially if the closure does extend longer. 
realistically, we can't expect the, the students to meet the same standard we asked in the past, and, and we have to do something different. So I just hope people act within reason, and I think they probably will. I think in these types of scenarios, usually people are more forgiving than they might be in others, and, and uh, I, I'm just hoping for that in, in a lot of circumstances. It's also a consideration on whether or not you're going to close a school based on, like, I don't know how it is in Astoria anymore, but uh, here in Roanoke, we have a lot of kids, so many kids on free and reduced lunch that every kid can get a free lunch, even those that could afford it otherwise. And for some of our kids, the breakfast and the lunch that they get at their high school or their elementary school or wherever is the only food they eat that day. And so we've had to come up with a whole program just to get kids food and figure out how we're going to deliver that in the midst of an epidemic is pretty insane. And we have like 17, man, I saw the number earlier today, but I think that there are 17,000 children in the Roanoke City School District. And they have to make sure that every one of them has access to food if they need it. And then the other obvious things are things like childcare, because that's a big one. And 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 then and then if if, fam- if families have to take time off work to to watch their kids and the the trickle down for all of this is pretty tremendous. I mean, there will be there will be definitely be families uh, in my district that have to decide whether they adequately take care of their kid or they go to work. And I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of kids that are home alone that should not be. And not in the fun Kevin McAllister Home Alone movie way, more in the unsupervised making bad choices kind of way. Yeah, because there's really nothing more fun than a 10-year-old being stuck by two creepy adults breaking into their house. I mean, if you make a battle plan. Hilarity ensues. (laughs) So here's the big question, I guess, for us as educators. If we are, um, let's, let's anticipate being out for a month. If we're out for a month or more, is distance learning worth it? Is it worth having kids try to learn at home? And if if so, how do we do it effectively? My biggest concern is I do, it's kind of like we talk about how we are not trained counselors. <laughs> yeah. I am not a trained distance educator. I If you provided me with the f- platform and the format, I would, I would correct or help teach or do whatever I needed to do. But the only thing I could think I would do, and this would probably be the most effective way that I could think of it, is I would just make a bunch of YouTube videos and say, you need to watch this, submit via scan your homework. And I, I don't even know. I If I was asked to do that, that would, I mean, it takes years to develop a curriculum, you know, that, that pe- people can do from home. Um, and there's programs that do that. And then I've never heard of a good one, at least for math. I don't know. I, I really don't know if, if that came down to it, if that would be the right move. Well, what we're basically developing right now are online packets. You know, like we're reading a novel right now, and so I'm putting questions that they need to answer that go along with the novel. And there will be some like things that we would normally do in a discussion because I don't really have a good opportunity for them to discuss. You know, they're just going to uh, write little paragraph responses and and move on from there. And I imagine... Like I could possibly do little online lecture things, but I don't know that that would be that effective with an English course. There are some things that are good about it. Like I want to keep kids learning and keep them active. And quite frankly, they're going to be sitting around doing nothing because they're not supposed to be going out and about. So it's nice to have something for them to do. 
but I don't know that it's going to necessarily be super educational, like they're going to get a ton out of it. You know, for two weeks, I think it's good to kind of stop the bleeding and, and get, keep them on, ta- you know, on, on, on task and kind of doing something, especially if you know, hey, we're coming back in two weeks and we just want to kind of keep the ball rolling. Um, but my concern, and this is a question I have for you as well, does, does every kid have access to that? Right. The reason that it's got to be kind of packets is that uh, for those kids that don't have internet access, we had to do a big, all the English teachers had to do kind of surveys of their classes to figure out who has internet access at home and who doesn't. And uh, those kids that don't are going to end up getting all of our questions and stuff printed off and sent home. And then I guess they send it back. I got, we don't, we haven't really thought of that yet. But then also with distance education, there was a, uh, an article that I saw online from a group called EdSurge, uh, education website, and they were talking about some, some different studies about how effective distance education is. And a Washington State Community College study, this is directly quoted, uh, found that most students on average do worse in online courses compared to face-to-face ones, but younger students, black and Latino students, and students with low prior GPA do even worse. Why put them through all of the torture of trying to figure something out and the frustration of not knowing how to do it or punish them because they don't have access to the things that everybody else does when we don't even have any kind of data that says that the educational outcomes are even worth it? Again, like like we keep saying, like this is unprecedented, so there's no right answer. And, and uh, hopefully w- when this dust settles, and I, I pray it does, that we'll – have a better plan for if this were to happen again. Yeah, it's just a learning experience. And it stinks that these kiddos have to be our guinea pigs. But uh, but I think we will come out stronger on the other side uh, in the education system of knowing what worked, what didn't work. And then we can triage that and figure out what we need to do if something like this ever happens again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. Well, it's already March, which means we're getting closer and closer to the end of the school year. And while that's exciting for most of us teachers, if you work in a high school, that also means you're battling the highly contagious disease that ravages every 12th grader in the country this time of year, senioritis. We've all witnessed the horrific ailment turn our once lovely juniors into monsters, and until just a few years ago, it was assumed that there was no cure. But after years of research, the people at Pfizer have found a vaccine to senioritis, Graduzine, the first FDA-approved medication to eliminate or greatly reduce the effects of senioritis. Just two doses of Graduzine slipped into any 32-ounce energy drink or $6 iced coffee has been clinically proven to help reduce the following ailments. Arrogance, poor time management, lack of urgency for college applications and scholarship completions, general disrespect towards others, particularly teachers and parents, an unearned sense of entitlement, and the inability to show gratitude, especially to their parents who still financially support them. So parents, ask your doctor about Graduzine today and get your child back. Please note that senioritis will subside on its own, usually after graduation, and especially when combined with a harsh dose of reality. Side effects may include diarrhea, vomiting, weight loss, weight gain, and problem sleeping, which are all still better than senioritis. Hey, welcome back. It's now time for our favorite segment of the show. Wait, what? It's our opportunity to share the random stuff that sparks our interest, or just flat out shocks us. This time, Clint found an interesting article that he can't wait to share. Yeah, so I was scrolling through Twitter and an in one of those endless scrolls, and recently those have been super depressing, and I came across <laughs> this one article, and it said... FDA bans school electric shock devices. And I was like, what does that mean? What's going on here? Uh, It's a national ban, but it's actually targeted at just a single school in Massachusetts called the Judge Rottenberg 
Educational Center uh, in Canton, Massachusetts, that's been using electric shocks to condition students' behavior for decades. What? And this, this article came out uh, March 6th. Of this year? Yeah, this year. So for decades, they've been doing this. Whoa. Basically, the FDA said that this practice of shocking children to keep them from misbehaving presents an unreasonable and substantial risk of illness or injury, which seems like a Billie Eilish style, duh. <laughs> but there are some people who approve of it, who think that it's a good thing. There's a, a person named Andrew Goldberg who lives at the center. He is now 39. So it's not a traditional school. Uh, it's it's a school for both children and adults who have intellectual disabilities or behavioral, emotional, or psychiatric problems. The mom of this man, Andrew Goldberg, said that she felt like she got punched in the gut when they did this and that she's just so sad because, according to her, her son would receive two second shocks as a sporadic part of a broader treatment plan, and he has since been weaned off of the device and can do things he could not do before, like go to the movies, because he was he had some severe emotional issues. And so she says that the treatment works and that she will stand by it and will fight for it. But the reason that it got banned is because in 2002, so this suit has been going on for a while, I guess, an episode was captured on video where an 18-year-old student who didn't take off his jacket as instructed was shocked repeatedly, and in the video you can hear him screaming uh, out in pain. So it's super controversial. It seems like a no, no-brainer type situation, uh, but apparently for some people it was helpful. So reading all of this, though, made me wonder um, if you had ever heard of any weird or crazy discipline measures from days of yore or possibly things that you've actually seen people do and you're like, you can't do that. I remember a middle school teacher making people do like physical activity, like wall sits, things that, you know, at the time did not seem, I mean, he was like an English teacher. Um, and at the time didn't seem like a big deal, but obviously you, you can't do that. And then of course, I am quite sure that I am just old enough that when I was first starting out, like maybe kindergarten and first grade, that paddling was still an option, but I think it had kind of gone away at that point. And then my dad often talks about the nuns. He, he grew up Catholic and he talks about the nuns, like whacking your hands with, uh, rulers. Yes, I believe I've heard him tell that story before, but. But I don't know. What about you? I, I think the the dumbest one that I did was for a long time, if somebody threw a piece of paper across my room, like to try to make a basket or throwing it at somebody, they had two choices. They could either go around and clean up everything off of my floor or they could do 10 push-ups. And that's not really like a, a huge thing. Plus they had an option. In fact, I didn't, the, when I first started it, I, I didn't give the option. I was like, you threw paper, it's 10 push-ups. And didn't really think about how humiliating that might be for some people because I was uh, stupid. And <laughs> then then I added in the caveat and now it's just clean up everything off of the floor because that's something everyone can do and just don't throw things. That was me as a young person being dumb. So What's funny about that too is in the context of a weight training class, a physical extra lap or something, I mean, is kind of you know, standard procedure. If, uh, hey, you're talking too much, go go run another lap while I finish up this instruction or something. But yeah, you wouldn't do that in your English class. No, shouldn't. Shouldn't do that. Not, not wise. Well, that's it for us. You got a question? Want to tell us how your school district is handling the COVID-19 madness? And really, we want to know about this. Not that we don't want to know about the other ones, but we really want to know about what you guys are up to. Uh, we have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and at my web store, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. And all our sponsors are fake. 
As always, a big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, tell a friend to listen. Or go out and get COVID-19 and tell everyone in the hospital about our awesome podcast. Dude, that's not helpful at all. What are you doing? I just really want us to go viral. That's not what that means. Oh, drat. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. See you soon. Wash your hands, folks.